Hello, and welcome to the Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and consumer-facing startups. This is a special bonus episode, if you will, about the coronavirus. Uh, last couple of weeks, I reached out to all past investors that came on the show and future investors that will be coming on and asked them a few questions about how the coronavirus has impacted their portfolio companies and and their just overall investor sentiments about the market currently. I am joined today by my brother, uh, Rob, just to help me dissect what investor sentiments are and, and, and these responses. And so thank you, Rob, for joining me. I really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. How are you feeling, Mike? I'm okay. I, I As you know, I've been sick for the past couple of weeks, but uh, I don't think it's anything serious. I also I also think it's interesting too, Rob, because you're, you can also speak towards um, on the founder's perspective. Uh, which I find interesting because I know that you're in the middle of a fundraise with your startup, a virtual summit uh, platform uh, called Hey Summit. And so I love to hear your thoughts about how this has affected your business. I mean, it's a pretty interesting time for us in general, uh, just because uh, of uh, the impact that coronavirus has had on on in-person events. Um, so we've certainly seen... Um, a reasonable increase in activity. From a fundraising point of view, it, it was interesting that we had been uh, talking to some, we're, we're still in the relatively early stages, um, but we're, uh, we were talking to some uh, investors who were quite keen uh, up until uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, and then there was kind of radio silence uh, from, from all of them. Uh, and only this week, have we now started hearing back from folks and a renewed set basically all at once. And, uh, and it was interesting that, that quite a few of them had, had indicated that they, they did go through an internal period where they were uh, super worried about needing to figure out how to support their current portfolio companies. And, and they really just had to stop everything in order to, uh, to take a beat and, and analyze the, the situation. Um, so that, that, Going through the process as a as a founder, it, it was interesting just because um, of how universal the, the 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 pause was. But uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it had an impact. I mean, I've seen a lot of like Twitter posts from venture capitalists saying that they're open for business, and these tough moments is where. Uh, you know, the most innovative and, and the exceptional companies uh, perform. I know it's only been, you know, a few weeks. I, I would love just to hear what your, I guess, initial inklings are. I, I was talking to one the other day and uh, it was through all the discussions that they were, that, that they had had. And especially if you're asking this from a, you know, what do investors think, uh, founders think <laughs> of them uh, from that perspective, when when an investor is talking to me about all of the uh, discussions that they've been having and all the the conversations that they've been having with their existing portfolio companies, you know that's a that's a positive thing to hear. It's it, it's the fact that you haven't been in touch with us isn't as huge a deal as hearing about how much you care and are looking to support your current portfolio companies. Like that's a really good indicator. So um, uh, we I had a couple of deep apologies for not you know getting back uh, or being radio silent for two weeks. Um, but uh, the uh, the ones who who I did start uh, chatting with or catching up with, just hearing about those stories, um, it's a positive thing. Uh, I, I know that it's a it's a tough time for uh, investors and for funds, uh, or, but especially for the founders that are part of their portfolio. So the investors that are are open with the fact that they are there to help 
their founders in the good times, but also the tough times. Like that, that's a nice thing to hear for a potential from a, uh, for a potential portfolio company to hear, you know. Based on your experience and your conversations with investors, are you starting to see them being open for business to new investments? Maybe this is an overgeneralization, but it kind of did seem that like overnight, a bunch of funds had kind of decided that, all right, we're going to go out prospecting again. So, you know, in one day we had uh, four or five funds get in touch who who clearly all had a a uh, conversation um, or, or or planning around you know what kind of businesses are they going to focus on and maybe emerging from that that um, that uh, freak out um, if you want to call it that uh, on behalf of their you know current portfolio companies. So uh, I think that 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 definitely was clear. It was it was clear that you know all right let's let's look at and see what businesses are going to be booming because of coronavirus and let's do all we can to try and understand if they think this is going to be a short term bubble uh, or or uh, growth or if it's going to have lasting consequences long term. Um, and so uh, that was that was interesting and and just because five of them got in touch in the same day. Uh, you could tell that there, there was, there, there must have been some sort of, you know, uh, mentality going through uh, in in different places uh, about how to approach when you say open for business, you know, uh, how to approach a new deal flow or, or new sourcing. That's great that that seemed that sentiment, at least in your experience, has uh, has happened. Rob, would you also mind helping me out here with these questions? Of course, I'm excited. We can we we can flip flip things around, and I can interview you for a change. How's that sound? Let's do it. So, Mike, the first question that you asked was, uh, are you shifting strategy away or towards certain companies or verticals? Uh, what did the what did what did the brain trust tell you? It's interesting. I got a few responses back that said, "No, we're we're long term. We think we think you know this is venture capital. We think very long term, five to ten years." One investor writes, "We're, we're early stage investors. We look at companies with a five to ten year time horizon. While we take the health, uh, economic, and societal impacts of COVID nineteen very seriously, especially the next few months and quarters." Our expectation is that over the long run, the broad sidle and any economic impact will be modest. And so another investor wrote, they've seen the shift more on the B2B side. So they're being thoughtful around what are the vitamins or painkillers for corporations right now. And at the end of the day, they are still investing with a long-term horizon, but the downstream financing risk is real if buyers aren't budging in certain categories on the B2B side especially. Uh, at least from that investor that he's more worried about the B2B side right now. Um, but another investor writes as well, uh, I wouldn't say we're changing our strategy yet. One thing we've been developing a thesis on even prior to coronavirus is the curation uh, in the consumer environment, given how fragmented the various sectors have become with abundance of brand choices. That being said, we're looking for opportunities that de-risk the exposure of a particular brand, but opportunities to play a broader category based on consumer preferences and behaviors. We continue to look for disruptors in the market that change age-old behaviors, come up with be- uh, come up with a better mousetrap, are vertically integrated, creating strong supply chains, or have a lifestyle component, among other attributes. We love businesses that touch two to three categories, DDC, B2B, and retail wholesale. I thought that I, I thought that one of them that you shared with me summarized it pretty well uh, about leaning into companies that are building versus selling. Um, that seems to be a, a, a common a, a common feeling, um, at least from from uh, a lot of folks that that we've heard from. Um, but h- how do you think that 
that breaks down when it comes to, you know, consumer focused versus, um, you know, B2B focused. On the building versus selling side, I'd imagine when you're building, you're more in the early stages rather than the selling. So is that, do you think that that's implying that more investing in, that this can have a, a, a bigger effect on later stage companies that might be in that growth selling stage rather than the early stage that are still building? Maybe. I mean, I think um, uh, one of the things that we've been obviously reading is the disruption that uh, COVID-19 is having on uh, all elements of business development and, you know, and, and business operation, especially for businesses that rely on um, those more traditional sales you know, methods. So if you have a team of salespeople and you have a product and you have a, a way for them to sell uh, because of the disruption that that selling um, process is less likely to be as as easy or as efficient, um, and so maybe the the way that I took the, the thing that I took from that is is like what the other investor wrote uh, about you know long time horizons. So uh, they'd probably be much more comfortable uh, jumping into um, uh, to things that are still in the building stage, understanding that um, you know they might not be ready to even start selling uh, within the next uh, nine to to twelve months. And by that time, hopefully, the situation would have improved. If you're if you're a company and you do the vast majority of your sales at trade expos, you know you're screwed right now. Uh, and so, uh, if you've just gone through, if you've just kind of gone through a round in order to scale your sales and scale your your acquisition, your customer acquisition, um, you're you very well might be uh, facing a battle on both fronts. You know, and whereas if you're not even at that stage yet, you might actually ironically be a bit more attractive just because uh, you'll you'll be allowed to wait, wait things out and not have to do a whole bunch of cash flow uh, restructuring uh, or planning around, you know, large hires. So um, early stage might then be a lot more attractive um, rather. It'd be interesting to know if, if you're the early stage investors uh, that you interact with aren't as worried as perhaps uh, the later stage stage investors, not necessarily worried long-term, but worried about, um, uh, you know, signing those, those checks, uh, in the next few weeks or months. It seems like, um, as well as, as well as some other responses, it's, it seems like more in that growth stage and later stages that, um, investors might be more worried. Um, especially another, another one writes about, uh, especially for crossover funds, which crossover funds are, uh, funds that invest in both the public markets and the private markets, and so for those funds as well that is experiencing major losses in the in the public markets, then then they might be uh, very wary to invest in the private markets. One investor that invests in the food and beverage space writes, "We're not as much shifting as doubling down on capital efficient businesses and categories. This will be a complicated time for channel strategy and supply chain management, but people still need to eat and drink." So uh, the 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 kind of next question, I guess this is moves on relatively well. Uh, just are you pausing investments in a particular space? I know we kind of talked a bit about that, but what kind of insights did you did you get when it comes to prioritizing one space over another? One investor writes that uh, he has some exposure in the travel industry and believes that the industry will be the last to recover. Uh, so they're monitoring that closely and will probably sit on the sidelines in the near term for the sector. If there was a business that showed some resiliency and was attractive value, they'd, they'd still take a look at it. But that's that's what interesting that they're holding off. Also, another investor about any business that requires person connectivity is suffering deeply right now. And they're 
paid attention as they look at, at at that aspect as they're looking at new investments. But then others others say no, we're we're long term and 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 we're really sticking towards uh, that point of view, similar to, to to the response in the last question. See the the you know not really, but I'd be wary of a company already in growth mode that is immediately affected. That that kind of goes towards the the what we were talking about earlier. That you know if you're if you are in growth mode and COVID's going to affect you, there's nothing like a a large rock to stop upward momentum, and the the pause will be felt greater uh, the faster that you're moving. So interesting. So then there was a, a another question you asked was, are you concerned about some of your current portfolio company's ability to raise? So yeah, I'd be I'd be keen just from what we had discussed about uh, what I had heard. Um, what did you find? Yeah, I mean they they certainly are. I mean it makes. It makes also sense. I think that going back to your experience right now with fundraising, how a lot of the investors took that kind of two week break to focus on their portfolio company. I'd imagine that's probably if they are fundraising, it's probably a conversation that they're they're having. One investor uh, writes, yes, to some extent, we haven't seen early mid stage investors change their activity levels at the juncture, but obviously the concerns and work environment, more remote, less face to face interaction means we anticipate some slowdown or lengthening deal processes. So I think it's going back to as well that if you're in that selling mode, that then investors are are worried about their ability to raise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one wrote, uh, yes, I think all startups will have difficult uh, a difficult time later this year raising. Not right now, but my prediction is to give the market another two to four months. My advice here would be to raise some money now if you know you need to be in the fundraising market in the next year. So that was interesting about, you know, the maybe a delayed effect in in their mind. Yeah, this other investor also has similar sentiments about that. Um, he writes, in short, yes, I would suspect that late 2020, early 2021 will not be seen as an advantageous time to be raising capital as a consumer startup. So the planning period needs to start now. Our companies are pushing to extend runway where possible and being intentional about contingencies. It's a great time as an investor to be doubling down on your portfolio with more capital to help them navigate this period. Interestingly, uh, this next one uh, really does kind of correspond with what we've, or what I've heard uh, when talking to some investors just about this. Um, so yes, we have carved out some capital to help support some current portfolio companies through hard times. Assuming many firms do this, it's a little less capital for new deals and many pros and cons. Uh, some will have blips in their financials due to this. And that's definitely what, at least the feedback that um, I'd been getting um, from uh, from others just in, in explaining uh, what it is that they were doing for their portfolio companies. Yeah, that's great that it's also in line in, what you, in your conversations with investors. This one investor writes, the best position companies today are either cash flow positive or had a fortress of a balance sheet prior to this crisis. Raising capital from outsiders will be exceedingly difficult for companies, and companies will have to cut operational expenditures. In many cases, cutting operational expenditures isn't enough, and they'll need outside capital, especially if they see big drops in demand. VCs will make sure they optimize where they deploy capital as they triage across their portfolios. One response kind of also talked touched on the difference between uh, raising money from uh, VCs or institutional uh, or from institutions rather than uh, angels and maybe the impact that that might have. So they write, uh, yes, uh, I think companies raising institutional capital may have it slightly easier uh, as VCs will have to continue to deploy. Uh, so that's a really good point. 
Um, individual angels may have been far more affected by the recent market drops, so that'll affect pre-seed deals. I also think there's a bit of bifurcation in the market, really hot deals that are getting money piled onto them. Others are struggling a bit. I've met a lot of companies who are raising $3 million a fortnight ago, but $1 million now. Uh, yeah, I mean, so just, just in, in, in our space uh, and, and from over here across, across the pond, uh, we're seeing uh, a few of my friends who, who run companies um, have seen, seen that firsthand. So deals that become hot, uh, that people start to kind of pile on just uh, to assuage groupthink or, or, or whatever, um, whereas others that we know that, that were pretty close to a deal before and are now either not raising anymore or uh, or they're, they're raising significantly less. So it seems like from some of these responses that we're seeing more of an effect in that growth stage when you're selling, um, when you're having to sell, right? But then we're also seeing uh, effects mm-hmm. at the very early mm-hmm. stages when you need, if you're raising from angels. Sure. Fine. So I wonder if there might be a shift with uh, venture capital funds that actually moved more downstream uh, to fill that gap from angels. Maybe that could be something interesting. Are you about to say that a, a seed will need, will be the new pre-seed? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but you know, maybe there could be a little bit of a gap there at the very early stages. Another investor writes, frankly, companies are going to die. We already have a few that we know we won't make it. We'll have to put our dollars to work as capitalists. It's an environment where founders and VCs will be less aligned than ever. I think I think less aligned, what he's saying there is that, of course, valuations are going to change drastically. So the last question that you asked the your guests, both past and future, uh, were just about their work environment and their working habits. So you asked, uh, are you having to adjust to new work protocols, remote working, et cetera? And if so, is that having an impact? So what do they say? It seems like there hasn't really been a huge adjustment to new work protocols. Uh, As one investor writes, uh, we invest nationwide and our our team is based in two offices. Uh, So we've already been reasonably accustomed to working with founders and and each other using remote tools. Our portfolio companies have increasingly become semi-distributed in recent years, as well so in general, they're comfortable interacting with us remotely. Incrementally, there's an impact for us in that business travel and face-to-face meetings have declined for a certain period of time. We have a team of six people in total, so rather than making firm-wide directives that have enabled each person to make the individual choices that they're comfortable with and make make most sense for the situation regarding remote work, I mean, I... I don't know. Do you do you think that more startups now, because of remote work, that t- uh, te- uh, technology startups are going to be more f- fully distributed? I don't know. I I think I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity to declare that coronavirus is going to radically reshape the world of X or the world of Y, and nobody's ever going to shake hands anymore. And I think that's a little bit silly. I think that different people work and work best in different ways. Uh, but personally, you know, I'm a huge advocate of remote working. We are a fully remote team at Hey Summit. Uh, and um, the one thing that I would hope for is that maybe this, this process, this, this, uh, the, the situation that, that has, that's affecting everyone and forcing everyone to work from home, whether or not they uh, thought that was uh, the best way for them to work or their team to work or not. Um, my hope is, is that maybe that might shed some light on the fact that remote working is not scary. Uh, it would be great if uh, any investors who were 
uh, who are listening or going through this process might afterwards uh, have a, a maybe a, an appreciation or uh, might consider companies that are based remotely rather than being geographically focused or, or geographically based. There's a lot of really passionate, there are a lot of really passionate companies that are doing amazing things that aren't near you. And, uh, and, and I think that uh, at least my one hope would be that uh, exposure to how remote working can work maybe would expose an investor to the possibility of investing in a company that um, is primarily powered through remote work, uh, whereas they might not have uh, otherwise. So uh, that's my that's my little hope. Yeah, I mean, because it's interesting when I've had some investors on the show and I talk about investing in companies that are in secondary or tertiary markets, which summarizing just a few conversations that I've had, investors aren't worried about investing in companies that are based outside the main hubs. But if the company grows and scales, they a few investors have said, um, I want to know if they're if they're willing to move to San Francisco or move to New York or move to the big markets. And if remote working becomes more prevalent, I wonder if this will change investors' view toward that. Yeah, no, no, I, I see that. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about how how uh, uh, living in the in the uh, choosing your own fishbowl doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you're going to be getting. Uh, better companies that are more efficient with capital. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, like from certainly from a company that is not based in the Bay area and has no wish to be based in the Bay area, that is something that often comes up. Uh, and, and to be honest, it's, it's, it's good if it comes up early because, uh, if someone isn't interested in uh, considering us because we're not based, um, in, in the Bay area, um, that makes things more efficient for both of us. You know, but uh, I, I guess my hope is is that those who think ge- geography is crucial at an early stage and being geographically close to their investments are, are, are crucial might just have a second think and uh, and consider um, the uh, that that having a, a early stage uh, member of your portfolio based elsewhere and who aren't focused on trying to make their way to the Bay Area could also just introduce diversity to your your portfolio. Uh, not just in terms of uh, you know background, but in terms of you know different cultures and cultural selling experience or what have you. Um, so anyway, just my little hope. Any any other kind of takeaways from from uh, what people were saying in terms of how this has affected the way that they work? First of all, I th- I think you made a lot of good points there. I think that on the shifting gears a little bit towards the investor side, if this has changed how they work, it seems like there really hasn't changed that much. I, it seems like a lot of investors are comfortable communicating with their uh, peers in Zoom, B- but they are doing way more outbound r- outreach than they've done ever before, which I thought was interesting as well. Mm, oh, so are you saying that 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 uh, there's a there's more um, more time to do more work? This one investor writes, "Zoom is becoming my new best friend. I'm doing way more outbound outreach than ever before, and if anything, we're more focused on tasks because of fewer distractions." So, so maybe that means that. You know, it's it's good for you, Rob, being you know a fully remote team. So, uh, Mike, uh, I know that you're sick. You're not feeling so well. Uh, but what are your kind of overall uh, reflections about what uh, your guests have told you about the uh, the this period? Um, are, are there any kind of main takeaways or hot takes? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting because um, 
I have seen a lot of things on Twitter saying how VCs are still open for, for open for business. We have to deploy capital. We're long term, and I do get overall that sense from uh, the responses here. But it also sounds. I think. I think what to me was the most impactful was your experience as a founder, and seeing that that has also seemed like there was that two week period. Uh, which I think is great, focusing on on portfolio companies, making sure they're all right, and 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 look and focus on their needs. But there still is a sentiment of uh, of you know being open for business, and so um, I think that actually you uh, your experience were were I think extremely helpful. So what impact did the radio silence have on your approach to fundraising? It it, it was definitely disruptive in that you know for a couple weeks beforehand. Uh, it was all about setting up meetings and uh, getting data and, um, you know, uh, asking about progress. Uh, and then to have uh, complete radio silence um, was, uh, you know, was concerning to, to any business. I mean, we are completely bootstrapped up until this point. Um, and so we, uh, we had a plan uh, and have a plan to get uh, to sustainability. Um, but it definitely kind of told us that uh, we uh, we didn't we, we couldn't de- depend on a round coming together. Obviously, you never can, but uh, I think there's a bit of a difference between um, you not go, uh, getting around together because the company isn't ready or because the timing isn't right, versus you not getting around together because uh, of uh, a situation that's outside of your control. And so uh, it did certainly um, get us to double down on our you know our other plans and, and pursuing, uh, ways of making sure that the business was, uh, shored up. Uh, and to be honest, uh, considering, you know, other options, you know, maybe we even actually hold off fundraising because even though, uh, we think we might be able to, uh, to raise a decent amount, um, we also have a pretty strong fundamental business and maybe we'll be even more compelling in a few months. It definitely made us rethink that, uh, and obviously take nothing for granted. Um, but uh, I think that approach has meant that uh, when people have gotten back in touch, uh, we're certainly not as uh, worried uh, about the situation, um, nor uh, do we kind of have any huge expectations either way. Um, so I don't know if that helped. <laughs> now, going back to what that one investor said, are you you're still very much in the building mode rather than the selling mode? Correct. We're. I mean, we're definitely in the building mode. I wouldn't say that we've reached product market fit, even though we were doing, you know, we, we've seen 1500 summits on our, on our platform. We've, uh, we, we have decent MRR. Uh, as I said, we, we were bootstrapped up until this point. And if we keep growing the way that we're growing, uh, we'll get to profitability in about, uh, three months. Um, so, you know, our kind of business fundamentals just for a business are pretty good. Um, but we're, we're definitely in the, in the building uh, phase right now. Uh, and we're we're also going after the population that um, that is kind of affected by the 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 virus uh, situation right now. Um, you know, uh, passion economy uh, and those who identify with the self economy are our target customers. So uh, we're not we're not so worried about the the business prospects. You know, if 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 we were running a hotel business or a I don't know uh, something else. Uh, we'd be a lot more worried or an enterprise SaaS uh, uh, business. Um, 
enterprise SaaS travel business. There you go. Uh, <laughs> then we'd be worried. Um, so like the question is, are, uh, the question that you asked, like, are you fundraising? To be honest, uh, two weeks ago, if you were asking, uh, or actually uh, three weeks ago, if you were asking, I'd say, yes, we are actively fundraising. Um, whereas now, uh, we are fundraising, but we might not actually have to. So it's not, it's not the situation that I think a lot of businesses find themselves in where they say, uh, we have to fundraise or, uh, we don't fundraise because there's no interest. Uh, it does seem like there's interest. It's just, um, you know, is that actually just be- because of this uh, situation, is it actually the best time or can we uh, take a little longer and prove even more value? So it's a, it's a bit of a different approach than I think what a lot of companies are having to face. Um, but at the same time, uh, the the lack of communication or the lack of, of engagement uh, during that time definitely um, caused us to uh, reevaluate, you know, how we were going about the whole process. Right. I mean, that's great that you're that, that, that on, on your current track that you'd be able to get to profitability though in three months. But I know you all want to grow a lot faster. Thanks, Rob, so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for this was fun. I also want to thank all investors, past guests, future guests that responded to my note about how they're thinking about the fundraising environment. I hope that was helpful to all you listening. It was certainly helpful to my learnings. We'll be posting the responses as well in the show notes, and they will be anonymous. If you're interested in hosting a virtual summit, check out Rob's platform at heysummit.com. You can also follow him along on Twitter at thisisgelb. If you're enjoying the show, if you could please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app as that helps other folks find the show, that would really be terrific. If you're a founder and working on something innovative, have a question you'd like to hear VCs or founders answer on the show, you can DM me and follow me on Twitter at Mike Gelb. You can also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. For all episodes, please visit theconsumervc.com. Thanks again for listening and please stay safe.